Hello there, I'm G-Ready and welcome to Scale by Intercom. In case you didn't know, Scale is a dedicated space on the Inside Intercom blog where you can find a wealth of materials, including podcasts, of course, that explore how businesses are driving growth through their customer relationships. After a brief hiatus to make way for our shop series, we're back with the final Scale episode of 2020. And it's a great one. This is the show where you can hear from a slate of brilliant leaders and thinkers about the strategies and frameworks that they're using to chart new paths for their customers and their companies. So today, we're really excited to introduce our guest, Nick Mehta. As CEO of Gainsight, he has done more than most to popularize the category of customer success in the B2B SaaS world. Since Nick spoke with our own global director of customer support, Caitlin Patterson, just a few weeks ago, it was announced that Vista Equity Partners had acquired a majority stake of Gainsight in a deal that values the company at $1.1 billion. So who better to explain how to scale your customer success team? He talks Caitlin through his tried and tested equation for customer success. That's CO plus CX equals CS. It's a really interesting conversation. So let's head over to the studio and hear from Nick and Caitlin. Nick, welcome to the show. We're delighted to feature you as our final skill guest in 2020. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. So Nick, you've had such a remarkable career to date, culminating with your role, of course, as CEO of Gainsight, a pioneering company in both the customer success concept and software space. So can you kick things off for us by telling us a little bit about uh, that journey? Sure. I don't know. I don't know uh, how long you want me to go, but I'll give you maybe the quick version, which is, um, yeah, I've been, I've been really really fortunate to um, sort of have worked in the tech industry most of my career, all my career, which I, I always, as a kid, always hoped I'd be in this industry. And I actually am. And, you know, a lot of that is just the sort of luck and, you know, having, you know, great support from parents and all that stuff. And so I worked, I did a brief a stint in the consumer world, in the consumer tech world with a startup in the first dot com uh, that actually helped found in the late 90s and then um, got into B2B kind of enterprise software and have been in B2B um, basically the last 20 years as it sort of went from kind of on-premise to cloud. And obviously it's, it's evolved a lot. I started from a functional perspective, I started my career in product management. So I came from kind of more of the technical side, but I was, I was sort of, I think product management's great when you're, if you're like technical enough to understand what the technology is, but maybe not so technical that you're the best programmer in the world. That was me. And so I loved product management and then kind of moved up through from that into kind of general management. I was at a company called called Symantec, some you know, probably many folks know them, and was running a division there. And then I kind of decided I love I love running this thing so much, I want to do it on my own. And I went to basically go on to sort of be, you know, founder, CEO and stuff like that. So I did before Gainsight, which is the company I run now, I ran another company called Live Office, which I ran and then eventually sold in 2011. And I've been doing Gainsight now for gosh, almost eight years. Amazing. So, you know, as mentioned, it's hard to say Gainsight without imme- immediately thinking of customer success, right? And and all that right. that means, right? And we're excited to get stuck into that today. So, you know, you've previously shared a really helpful equation to illustrate what customer success is beyond sort of the buzzy phrase we've all come to know and love and how companies can use this equation to implement customer success. So that equation, right, is a CX, customer experience, plus CO, customer outcomes, 
equals customer success. So we'd love to have you walk us through this framework and give us the background to your thinking. You know, where did this equation come from and, and, and bring it to life for us? Yeah, totally. Well, it starts out with the fact that customer success is very buzzy and it's also pretty ambiguous um, if you think about the term. I mean, gosh, customer success, like what doesn't fit into that, right? That's And also <laughs> who's against customer success? Who's for customer failure, right? So it starts like all buzzwords with an extremely lofty title, kind of like big data and things like that, right? So the question is, how do you make it more tangible for people? And what we learned was that when we said customer success early on, what a lot of people immediately thought was, oh yeah, great, customer support. Or, oh yeah, great, customer satisfaction. Or, oh yeah, great, customer happiness, customer delight, you know, things like that. And that was great. We, we love that as a starting point. But what we tried to educate people on is in the B2B world, so if you're selling to other businesses, businesses don't buy stuff, whether it's products or technology or whatever, just to be happy, right? You and I might you know, decide to sign up for a yoga class or go work, do a workout or, you know, buy, uh, in my case, buy many, 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 too many pairs of shoes just to be <laughs> happy, right? So in the consumer world, experience is everything. But in the B2B world, it's not just about the experience. It's also about what's the value this vendor is driving for me. What's the economic value? What's the ROI? And what the term people often use is outcome. What's the outcome this vendor is driving? Are they helping my company grow faster? Are they helping me save money? Are they helping me make my employees happier? And so we argue customer success isn't just about the experience, isn't just about the happiness. It's about the actual outcome. And so it's about getting your customers to the outcomes they're looking for. You know, what did you promise them in the sales process with a great experience? So those two things together. And by the way, we published this equation uh, years ago. And I, you know, actually literally a, a few weeks in, somebody said, shouldn't that be like, CX times CO. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you're right. And we printed, we printed all these posters that said CS plus CO. So it actually, if I could have done it again, it would have been CX times CO because they definitely like multiplied each other, right? You, you have a great experience that makes the outcome feel even better, right? But if you get a zero on either, the total thing is a zero, right? So you have a vendor that you work with that you love them and they're so great, but gosh, like they're not driving any value for you. That's a zero. You have a vendor that you work with that they're they're like really plugged into everything you do. You like can't get rid of them, but gosh, they're such a pain. That's a zero too. And so in theory, it should probably be at times, but uh, you know, for the sake of not reprinting everything, we'll go with plus. <laughs> yes, the the planet thinks you, but uh, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. So I'd love to break this down and go a level deeper on each of those components. So maybe we can start with experience. And I think, you know, a lot of this is intuitive, as you said, right? Like who doesn't want to make their customers successful and who doesn't want to offer a great experience. And I think another kind of buzzy phrase when we think about this space is, you know, proactive versus reactive. So within this equation and when you're thinking about experience, can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of proactive versus reactive and like maybe what the heck that actually means and and what it looks like at its best? Yeah, totally. You know, it's, 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 so proactive reactive is a buzzword. It's, it's pretty simplistically, you know, who's thinking about the next step and taking the next step. Is it the customer or is it the vendor? Right. And you think about the old world of all products, right? You in the old world, whether as a consumer, you buy a a car, right? You as a business person, you buy some software that you set up on your servers. In either of those situations, in the old world, it was up to you whether you got value, right? It was up Mm -hmm. to you whether you really use that car or not, whether you 
installed that software. And, you know, when you had an issue, you called the company, the 800 number or whatever, and get some support, right? And so then the, for the, from the vendor's vantage point, they were, the job was to be really good at being reactive, like to be like, pick up the phone quickly and answer your question really nicely and get you the help you need. But the first step of like, okay, what do I need to do next? That was on the customer. But what happened is in the changes in business model, as we went to businesses where it was on demand, in the cloud, pay as you go, SaaS, what that meant was if the customer isn't getting the value, it's the vendor who suffers, right? Because the customer doesn't stay with you, doesn't use you again, doesn't pay you going forward, right? And so therefore the vendor had to be the one thinking of the customer every day, say, gosh, like I've noticed they haven't actually set up the software. We better get them to set it up or they're not going to stay with us. Or I noticed they're not using these new features. We better get them to use those features or they're not going to stay with us. So by shifting the economic power from the vendor to the customer, you shifted the responsibility for the journey of the customer from the, the customer to the vendor. Right. And that's what what really changed. That's what proactive is about. It's not just being proactive for proactive sake. It's proactive or, or you're not going to get to keep that customer. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense uh, and is a great way to il- illustrate that point. So curious to see on this, you know, where you think AI technologies can assist. Right. We'll keep going down the, the buzzy word path here. You know, machine learning, chatbots. You know, we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about these things. Any thoughts on on how automation and, and these types of emerging and ever improving technologies can help in this space? Totally, yeah. So if you look at the this kind of concept claim I've made that hey, there's a customer journey and it's, you're trying to get them to the outcomes they're looking for with a great experience, and you you need to actually get the customer to do do a whole bunch of things, and you know could be like setting up the product or starting to use certain features or implementing workflows. Clearly, there's you know value of human beings helping, right? There's support people that can help the customer. There's customer success people. That's my my peeps that can help you know drive that customer journey, right? That's awesome. But there's no way that you can actually do it for all your customers through all the journey just with human beings, right? For many reasons. Number one, you know, economically, you know, you, you got lots of customers, you got small customers. You can't have somebody like babysitting every step of the journey. But number two, uh, no matter how many people you had. The customer doesn't actually want to like always talk to a person to go do every single thing, right? We all know the world of self-service and kind of technology-enabled stuff. Customers want to, you know, in some cases, be able to do stuff on their own. And so automation and AI are really critical. You can't do customer success at scale without automation and AI. Now, what do I mean by those two things separately? The automation is say, okay, how do I make it so a lot of these things that need to happen in the customer journey don't require a human being to actually... In the, on the vendor side, wake up and say, let's go do this. So, you know, whether it's uh, putting the customer through an onboarding process or the first time they log into the product, they're getting a, a guide of what to do next, or you're, you're using um, automated text messages to communicate with them. So automation is clearly critical in scaling. But then the second thing is you want to do the right thing at the right time. You don't want to just be spamming the customer. You want to look at what they've done and what behavior they had and what we think the next step they should take is. And that's where, you know, broadly looking at data and in some cases, AI to inform what the right next step is, is critical. So the way we think about it, customer success then is about getting the customer proactively through the journey towards their desired outcome with a great experience and doing that by leveraging technology to take the right action at the right time with the right channel. Um, And that channel could be the product, could be email, could be text, things like that. Absolutely. 
I think the key word there, right, is is scale. That you know, this is how to think about scaling it. But to your your second point there, you know, we we've often used the phrase right content, right time, right place, and it is a little bit like threading a needle because right, you you probably only have one chance to make that first impression, and and if you get it wrong, that right. automation can irritate them. So you know, we're we're constantly thinking about like you know, how to be humble in that process, how to great, create great feedback loops and to make sure that you are in fact getting the, the right thing in front of the right people at, at the right time. But so you touched on outcomes. That's a, that's a perfect way to transition to the second component of that equation. So how can teams go about ensuring their customers get the outcome that they want? How do we bring that part to life? Yeah. On, on the outcome side. Yeah. So you know, when you look at outcomes, you know, one of the things that's interesting is uh, if, if, if I ask each customer of, of Gainsight or Intercom or any, any vendor, what are the outcomes you're looking for? And you ask all the customers, what you would find is there would be a lot of different answers, right? There really would, because each customer might express it in their own way. You know, they might have certain goals about their company, what their priorities are, what they're trying to do. They might be trying to launch a new product or they have a metric they're trying to hit for their goals for the year. You know, the, the metaphor I like to use is like, um, you know, back when we were in offices, what's on that customer's whiteboard? What do they mm-hmm. have as their goals, independent of your technology? And so the outcome, I think, starts with what's their goal. But the challenge is, if every customer has a different goal, it's actually really hard to manage and scale. And so what we find a lot of companies do is, they kind of look at all their customers, they look at, okay, what, what do you think your outcomes are for Intercom or Gainsight? And then you try to say, take a step back and say, well, these fall into kind of like five different buckets or six different buckets. And they build kind of an outcomes and value framework. And that sort of says, okay, for our customers, here's the five or six value things that we drive, right? And then they try to create a business process, which is, okay, in the sales process, I'm kind of mapping my customers' goals to these like kind of standardized taxonomy of outcomes. And then post-sale, whether it's in support or customer success or services, wherever it is, you actually now have a common language to say, okay, the customer's goals were X, Y, and Z, but you don't have to start from scratch every time you're kind of working off of a framework. That makes a lot of sense, right? How do you sort of standardize this across all of your customers? Um, yep, super smart. Something I love uh, that I read, I think, in in your blog was how to think about outcomes and streamlining that experience for customers throughout the handover process. So would love to have you speak to how streamlined partnership across pre and post sales can really ensure that outcomes are appropriately captured and then manifested throughout the customer journey. Absolutely. And I think all of us can empathize with this point as consumers. If you just think about your favorite, least favorite call center experience, where you spend, you know, 15 minutes explaining the complicated problem you're dealing with. And then you, the person says, that's great. Let me, let me transfer you to somebody who can help you. And then you <laughs> jump on again and say, wow, okay, let me start over from scratch and explain that. Right. And we've all, we've all been there. And then as vendors, many of us have put our customers through that too. Right. So, this is something that's a hard problem, but the key is making the customer feel like they don't have to explain themselves over and over again. And that instead of feeling like a handoff, it feels like this team is actually kind of operating as one unit. One of our customers uses the expression hugs, not handoffs, which I think is cool. Maybe, maybe not as COVID friendly, but, but still like a cool <laughs> metaphor, right? And so I think, I think that the way to do that is kind of looking at what is what is being handed off. What is what? What do we need to know about the customer? And kind of you could probably put it into into sort of you know two buckets of stuff. There's the things that they've told us about what their goals are, what their situation is, what they're trying to achieve, and then there's the kind of the intangible stuff about the history they've had with us and their 
personality and what they like and don't like and so on. And so on the former, what we recommend is kind of thinking about this idea of what we call internally a success plan. What is the plan for that customer to get from their goal and vision to actual success? And so in sales, you're kind of filling out the high level of the success plan, what are their goals? And then maybe as they get implemented, you're putting in some details about what we've done for them. And then the customer success team's job is let's make that success plan a reality and and show it to the customer, show what we've done. And then the second thing is kind of that history of all the interactions and what's happened intangibly. And we kind of think of that as like the timeline of the account, kind of like, you know, Facebook feed, you know, think of like all the stuff that happens in your life, right? It's the same kind of thing. So that the next person that talks to that client isn't starting from scratch. They're like, oh yeah, we noticed you just did an advocate that advocacy event for us. And we're sorry about the outage you had. And we appreciate that you know, you're new to the company or whatever. So those are the two core kind of ingredients um, that we think need to happen as companies think about creating less of a handoff type model and more of an integrated experience. So any tools or, or, or kind of favorite tech stack items that come to mind to help folks achieve sort of this, this broader equation or most specifically within the outcome space it's great to have the best of intentions and ambitions. And I'm sure people are nodding along like, yes, totally. yes, that makes so much sense. But getting it done uh, can actually be tricky. So any thoughts on sort of the, the technology behind how to, how to power that? Yeah, well, obviously, there's this company called Gainsight that, that, uh, that is a good <laughs> part of the equation. I obviously have to plug for a second. You know, the way where we fit in is basically, you know, how do you take that kind of desired journey and operationalize and scale it. So it happens actually, like you said, not just because one rep is really good at this one CSM, but that pre to post sale handoff, it's all captured in one place and you have the client's goals and you can do this for your big clients and your small clients. You can scale and do it efficiently and in a way that you drive a really consistent experience and scales. But beyond that, you know, obviously beyond Gainsight itself, you know, I think there's a really good ecosystem of stuff out there that helps. You know, if you look at kind of, you know, the obviously most people have some kind of a Customer support, you know, case management system. Um, I think a lot, you know, I think a lot of our clients use Intercom, you know, to make sure that you have a great way to communicate with your clients across all the different channels that are out there. You know, a lot of our clients will then beyond the sort of customer success, customer support, they'll also want to have good ways to kind of track all the interactions with clients. So, in, in particular, we we use internally, and I think a lot of our clients use recording software, like for example, Gong.io, which is what we use to track, like, let's just keep a call record of all the calls that we've got with customers, right? So we understand, you know, what we said and like, if we need to go back or maybe train our team on how to better handle that situation and that, that conversation. So those are probably the three parts of the stack I see the most is sort of the support communications area, the kind of customer success platform, customer experience management area that sort of Gainsight lives in. Gainsight also lives in the, we also have a kind of different product, which is about understanding what people are doing in your product itself, because you need great data about the product. You need to know what people, the behavior people have in the product. So that's quite important. And then you've got the kind of the interaction tracking and the recording side of it, which I think is becoming increasingly more important. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that episode two of Offscript, our new series of candid conversations with Intercom, all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing, is out now on YouTube. Here's a teaser featuring our chief product officer, Paul Adams, discussing AI-first customer service. The best place for me to start is that technology only moves in one direction. Once you go through these like before-after moments, you never go back. AI has clearly already shown us that it can help in transformational ways. It has given us a new way 
to do customer service. And that new way is AI first. The business that provides incredible customer service is the business that will win. And the earlier that people lean into this completely new mindset, the earlier they can deliver this incredible holy grail type customer experience. It's a huge opportunity for businesses to literally change how people think about them. It's just a matter of time. That's all to come on episode two of Offscript. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel right now and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. So we've talked a lot about, you know, customer success, of course, a little bit on support. We've talked about partnering with sales. And I love this idea that customer success can really be this, this umbrella over all of those orgs. Because again, when your customer is working with you, you're just Gainsight. You're just Intercom. You're just... Nike, right? But I'd love to touch on product and and the part that they play in this. So you've called product and sales and uh, success the three musketeers, which I love. So why do you feel that alignment across these functions, you know, most specifically bringing product into the fold is important? And how can business leaders go about building or strengthening those bonds? Yeah, totally. So if you, you know, if you look at some of the things we've talked about so far, we talked about how do you actually drive this integrated, proactive customer journey with out, towards outcomes experiences? And how do you do it across all your customers? Well, what's common across all your customers, or at least most of them, they're using your product, right? I mean, if you're a digital business. And what's really great about scalability is putting things into the product, right? Like if, you, if things are in the product, you don't need a human being to reach out every time. And so what we're seeing more and more is how do you embed customer success and the customer journey more and more into the product? And when you think about your customer's experience with you as a company, it's a combination of their experience with your people, which is kind of the sales and customer success world, and the experience with your product. And so we think that it's critical for both the experience and the outcomes, as well as scalability, to try to tie product into customer success and sales into this kind of triangle. And the way that we rec- what we recommend is, is really like kind of three core processes around product. Number one is, you should have great data about your behavior for your users in the product. It's 2020. It is completely unacceptable to have to like survey users to understand what they're doing in your product when your product is sitting in the cloud and you shouldn't be able to see that, right? So that's number one. You should have great data about behavior of users. Number two is your product should be a way to kind of build virtual customer success into the product in terms of onboarding new users, in terms of telling them about new features, in terms of noticing when they haven't taken the right next step. And so you should be able to do that through nudges in the product, not just through a CSM reaching out or a salesperson. And then number three, you should be collaborating heavily between the CS team and the product team on where the product goes in the future. Because the product team has all this awesome data now, hopefully about behavior of users and and they have this vision of where the product needs to go and what the user experience should be. And the CS team has those first person stories about what does that actually mean for the customer? And not just what does a customer need, but why do they need, right? Like the customer needs the button to move from here to here, but why does that placement of the button in the product change their business process so much? So I think that those three processes, the analytics around what people are doing, using the product as a way to scale customer success by having the kind of in-product virtual customer success, and then CS and product collaborating on feedback. So you know not just what customers want, but why they want it. Those are the three things we recommend. Spot on. And right in the spirit of the three musketeers, one for all and all for one, like this collaboration, this partnership is is all in the spirit of 
you know, doing a better job for your customers, which in the end is better for for business growth. And I think this one's mission critical. And I think these organizations for too long have been have been siloed and, and the companies that are out there really nailing it, whatever it is that they do, have really tapped into this, you know. And I think, you know, a person who spent most of their career uh, in the success or support experience space. This is so empowering and so exciting, right? It's taking the folks that are on the front line with customers and no longer kind of relegating them to the post-sales space, but really bringing them to the forefront of the business and elevating their voice and, you know, the work that they're doing day in and day out with these customers to ensure that customers are being heard and and that's having an impact. So super passionate about this. Love the way that you framed it. I will uh, certainly be stealing uh, the Three Musketeers concept here. So... Uh, you know, moving along, Nick, you know, in your recent book, which congrats, by the way, I think this is, this is the second one and and co-authored with Allison Pickens. You yeah, we, we love it. So you highlighted that customer success has evolved from a job function to a company wide priority. And I I really love this. So can you elaborate on how, um, this came about? Absolutely. What, what happened is, you know, the early software companies, as they moved to the cloud, you know, they basically said, Oh gosh, like in this, everything we talked about, this new world where the customer isn't paying us all up front, we, if we don't get them to actually do the right stuff and use the product and get value, they're not going to stay with us. And so they all created customer success teams. Salesforce kind of pioneered this concept and many other companies did it. Thousands and thousands and thousands of companies now have CS teams. It's the six most, CSM is the six most promising job in the world, according to LinkedIn. It's really exciting. But what every one of those teams figured out is, okay, if every other team is just doing what they used to do and didn't change at all, and we're the ones that have to do customer success on our own, literally, we're the only ones responsible for customer success, it's not going to work because we don't control the product. We don't control the sales, what expectations are set. We may not control the onboarding. In some cases, we may. And we don't control the whole customer journey. And by the way, you're not the CFO is not going to give me enough people to just cover every one of our customers with kind of a manual outreach. And so what people figured out is customer success is more than just the CSM team. It's got to be this company-wide business process. You know, what is the point of a business, right? Like in one sense, it's obviously driving value for its shareholders and so on. But when you think about like stakeholder theory and like all the stakeholders, one of the core values is driving value for your customer, right? That's why you exist. And that process of driving value for a customer is customer success. And that clearly cannot just be the CS team. It's got to be this company-wide priority. And now what, it's, what, it, what it has to evolve from, though, is it can't just be a company-wide platitude. A lot of companies, in fact, I'd argue like every single company now you know, that's worth their salt has some value that says they're customer-centric, right? But why are so many companies saying their values are customer-centric and so few actually doing it? It's because they didn't take it from a platitude to a process. What is the company-wide business process to get our clients from the value that we promised them to the value that we've delivered. That's why customer success has become a company-wide priority. Love it. Platitude to process. I think that's a that's a great one uh, for folks to remember. 
we, you know, we feel very similarly. And I think it, it requires quite a bit of intentionality, right? You need to create process, you need to create actions to get folks in the mix here, because there's a lot of minutia and just momentum in our in our organization's day to days that can, that can draw you away from this as much as you love the sound of customer centricity. We recently, uh, one, because we did need some extra help. I think we're not alone in, in this year driving some additional volume into support teams, which is which is what I run at Intercom. And so so we we put the call out for help and we hosted a customer day and I think you know we had over we actually had to close signups we had too many signups it was 150 people I think and and we had a day where everyone jumped in the inboxes as we call them and started talking to our customers and there was so much gold that came out of that so uh, platitude to process again I, I think you're spot on there and and being intentional about creating motions and activities that allow people to do that and then like really feel the benefit. So they remain motivated and excited to go out there and do it rather than just sort of nod their head in in all hands when, you know, when someone says like, and we're focusing on customer centricity. I love that you do that. And I love that you kind of opened it up to people because I do agree that when when your employees see it firsthand, it really does change things versus just, you know, it's a, a bullet point on the slide. Absolutely. Earlier this year, you argued compellingly that through the COVID pandemic, customer success has become uh, an ever more important growth engine. So why did the challenging circumstances of 2020 result in this shift in your opinion, Nick? Yeah, I think there's three things that happened that really drove kind of maybe companies to go from, hey, customer success, that's something I should do eventually to, wow, you better do it right now. And if you think about it, you know, customer success is sometimes can fall victim to that, like, important, not urgent, right? Like, you know, it's not the house isn't on fire or, you know, I've been doing this the same way for a long time. And yeah, I want to do this customer success stuff, but you know, we, we'll get to it eventually. Right. And that's, you know, probably some companies felt like that for years and years. And I remember uh, emailing one of our client CEOs, you know, kind of runs a company similar size to Intercom and Gainsight. And he wrote back and said, uh, this is in May, like kind of the you know, height of the first wave of the pandemic. And, you know, I said, how's it going? He said, it's great. I'm finally really doing customer success and we should have been doing it all the time and we're finally doing it. It feels great. And I think that was what happened for thousands and thousands of companies for three reasons. Number one, you know, in the beginning, everyone had this massive existential issue, which is, whoa, like our existing customers are going to pay the bills and are they going to pay the bills? <laughs> are they, are they going to stay with us? Are they going out of business? What's going on? Do they need deferral payments? You know, there's kind of this triage war room type mentality as unfortunately so many businesses were struggling. And so the first thing people realize is, whoa, we don't even know what's going on with our customers. And do they, are they happy with us? Are they, are they in trouble? And so the first thing was like, we better know what's going on with our customers. I think every CEO has a memory from March and April, May of like, we got to understand what's happening with our customers. The second thing is, as you went from sort of March, April, May to May, June, July, you know, a lot of companies still weren't buying new stuff, like net new things they've never bought before. So therefore, a lot of the sales for companies, whatever there was, were coming for from existing customers, right? And so a lot of companies said, wow, we better get better at selling to our existing customers. And we all know selling to existing customers is, is you know, it requires a different mindset. It's not like you can just go in with that sales pitch of like, hey, everything's great. We're perfect because uh, they know who you are. And so selling to existing customers requires customer success, requires understanding them. The third thing that happened, and this is probably in maybe call it like July, August, September, not to this point, is companies actually, we're all very privileged and lucky in the tech world that many companies have kind of bounced back pretty quickly. Unfortunately, a lot of other companies haven't. 
But what the impact of that is a lot of companies are actually scaling again. However, they all have that sort of memory of like this whole terrible start and stop situation. And many of them are like, okay, we want to scale again, but we don't want to just throw people at the problem. We want to actually get much more thoughtful about what we're doing in, in terms of automation, AI, customer journeys, all that stuff. So those three things, understanding what's happening with my customers and never being surprised anymore, figuring out how to sell them more stuff in a very customer success-centric way, and then scaling through data and automation, um, those are the three kind of mega trends that drove this year to be the year customer success became uh, existential. And I, I think I probably know the answer to this, but I think good to touch on it anyways. You know, do you really see this as, as an acceleration of a change that was already occurring or or sort of a net new thing that, that COVID kicked off for us? Oh, 100% the, the former. Like I, we had a uh, customer advisory board kind of, you know, video thing in, in May. And, you know, I uh, there's 30 companies, actually 30 of the kind of biggest software companies in the world, you know, they're kind of our best customers. And I asked them, all the people were the kind of head of customer success, chief customer officer. And I asked them on like on a Zoom chat, I said, okay, type in the things that you're doing now in 2020 that like maybe got accelerated because of COVID. And they listed tons of things, you know, tech touch and automation and self-service and all the things, the buzzwords from you're in my industry, right? And none of those would have been any different from previous years. They're just like, got accelerated. And then I actually asked them the funny, funny follow-up question was, what's the thing you're doing less of this year than you would have otherwise? And they said, somebody answered and everyone plus one it, less trying to justify to my CEO why customer success matters. <laughs> um, and so that's what happened is like, we just accelerated everything that should have been happening or was starting to happen and just like eliminated any of the doubt. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think on, in addition to all of that as well, you know, we're just seeing a, a remarkable number of businesses either turn to the online space or double down online uh, because their hand has been forced. And, you know, to the point you started with at the top of the our chat today, you know, it just requires, it's a paradigm shift in thinking about how you acquire, but but even more importantly, retain and expand your current customer base. So, well, listen, Nick, this has been super fun. Great to chat with you about all things customer success, taking these buzzy phrases that that we know and hear all the time and really breaking them down into how can businesses that, you know, philosophically are aligned with these ideas, how can they really put them into action? So congratulations on the book, on Gainsight's success. Uh, it's been so wonderful having you today. We'll close out by just asking you, I know I, I mentioned your blog earlier there uh, as well as the book, but where can our listeners go to keep up with you and, uh, and your work? Yeah, so definitely, um, obviously, the, the Gainsight blog in general, the best way to kind of stay on top of that is just follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. You'll get lots of customer success stuff, the occasional discussion about rap music, pop, song parodies, physics, philosophy. So you'll get a lot football, you'll get a lot of things in there, <laughs> but at least 30% of customer success related. So Awesome. Great. Uh, diversity. It's a spice of life. We need it. We want it. We crave it. So uh, Nick, thank you so, so much for joining us on Inside Intercom. Again, our, our last show of 2020. Great to have you here today. Wishing you, your family, uh, your team the very best. And uh, we hope to catch you in the new year. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed Caitlin's conversation with Nick Meta. If you did, we'd love you to give us a review. It helps like-minded people like you find their way to our content. 
We'll be back next week with our final episode of Intercom and Product for this year, featuring Des Trainer and Paul Adams as always. We do hope you'll join us. This is Inside Intercom. Inside Intercom.